Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Alexander Audio. And today my guest is Jano Cohen, who's an Alexander Technique teacher in Philadelphia. And Jano, like myself, uh, studied extensively with the late Marjorie Barstow, who was a very well-known Alexander Technique teacher who taught mostly, at, well, she taught in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, for many years and also did workshops around the world. And we're going to talk today a bit about her teaching, what we got from it, wh what might be useful for other people involved with the technique to, to know about, maybe a little bit about how her work compares and contrasts with other uh, uh, schools of uh, Alexander teaching. Jana, welcome to the show today. Oh, Robert, thanks very much for having me on this. Well, it's good to have you on this program. Um, I I'm, I'm thinking that a nice way to begin might be for each of us, uh, maybe starting with you if you're okay with this, to just say a word or two about uh, your initial impressions of Marge, how you came to study with her, just a, a little bit along those lines. Sure. Well, I was studying Alexander Technique with... Bruce and Martha Furtman, mm -hmm. and uh, they brought her in to do a workshop in Philadelphia. And I had really been uh, not not studying all that long, and Marge uh, was quite it's kind of like a whirlwind. Uh, she put her hands on me, and I didn't know what had happened. I got so tall, and it was such a huge change that uh, for two weeks. I went around trying to do what she had done and uh, ended up with a terrible stiff neck mm -hmm. because it was just so fantastic. I, I just I had to try to do what she was doing. Um, and so I, I, from that and other experiences, I decided to train to become a teacher. But it was a very slow process uh, because I was also uh, getting a bachelor's in, uh, sorry, a master's in dance and uh, getting married and having children. And so it was, what would happen is I would go out to study with Marge in Nebraska or go to a workshop she was holding somewhere and just sort of gradually over time had experiences with her. Uh, it took 10 years to finish my own training. Um, but she was sort of always part of, you know, what I was doing. Um, Bruce and Martha were training us with the idea that we were uh, learning to be teachers in the style of Marjorie Barstow. Mm -hmm. And um, you mentioned, of course, that you your first encounter with her was in a workshop, a group setting, obviously. Yeah. And and right away, that that uh, is a bit of a distinction. Um, most, I think, it's still true today that most Alexander Technique uh, teachers work mostly one on one with students, and for the most part, certain, until the very end of her life. Uh, Marge uh, worked with groups, and often quite large groups. And well, it's a different style of teaching. It's the, the amazing thing is when you're in a group with Marge, you're also in a private lesson. Because mm -hmm. if she's teaching the group, and she you know, presents ideas that we're all working with you know, for every moment of the day that we're with her. But at the same time, when she goes to... Uh, put her hands on you if you're doing an activity, then the lesson is all about you and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And there is, it's the same as in a private lesson. And so the lessons I got from Marge always felt 
um, like a performance of a private lesson. <laughs> right, yeah. right. When she was working with you, it was it was similar in that way to a private lesson. But uh, I assume that you noticed often you would learn quite a bit by just observing her working with other people. Well, that's true. She was very. Um, one aspect of her teaching was that although she would work with individuals in in the group setting, she was always very aware of everything she did and said that might impact people in the group. Well, especially since Marge taught according to principle, she was always presenting. This wasn't body work. She wasn't doing something to us. She was teaching us a set of principles that we could use, a process that we could use. So that when we were witnessing other people working, we were understanding that we were learning to a process of awareness and uh, using a means whereby to change what we were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was always in her language and always in how she demonstrated with such simplicity that was no mistake and that we were responsible for our own use throughout the workshop. Yeah. So that, w- that we were not sitting there just, you know, lazing around. We were at work. Right. And th- this was our work. You know, she was a facilitator, but that it was the work we were doing with ourselves uh, that we were, that was our study. Mm-hmm. And I think that element of putting responsibility on the student really right from the beginning is, again, something that distinguishes her work from the work of at least some other teachers. Certainly when I I was training in England, I was halfway through a training course when I first came to Lincoln to take a a winter workshop with her. And I was amazed uh, that she would, um, the way in which she would engage people who, who had never had any Alexander exposure before, because in the tradition that I was training in, there was kind of an unspoken assumption that you really, as a teacher, your job was to use your hands to help a student get a better level of coordination. And then maybe after a while, you could start helping them with or showing, teaching them some ways to direct themselves, but you wouldn't want to be doing that right away. Whereas Marge would pretty much jump in right away and ask people to start to think. Well, when I, my first teacher was actually Catherine Vila-Polska, mm-hmm. and she was a magnificent teacher in some ways. Her hands would just transform me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I came to her because I had back pain. And so she would do a lot of table work with me, mostly, and a little bit of, you know, chair, uh, not much else. Mm -hmm. And I would feel much better. Mm -hmm. And then I would go to a dance rehearsal, and my back pain would come all the way back. Right. As if I hadn't had a lesson. So it was wonderful work, this kinesthetic reorganization, but I couldn't make use of it. So for my uh, learning style... That just didn't work. For some people, that does work. They learn with their bodies. And, but I need more. Um, I need an analysis of the process. I, I need instruction. And I find that those teachers, some of the people uh, work with, uh, like, a, uh, what is it? This, this repetition, this kinesthetic experience, the mm-hmm. repetition of that is what they hold high. And they teach that way. And it's really a beautiful way of teaching, and I, uh, I have experienced it from really great teachers. Mm-hmm. But it, it, for me, 
uh, is insufficient. I need to be involved in a process that I can understand and I can use. And Marge was so clear with that. Um, and all her teachers were. That was the astounding thing that when I went to Lincoln, uh, she would have like 14 teachers teaching with her. So she would teach the large group and then we would break off into small groups and each of the teachers would then work with us. And some of them used different language than Marge did. Uh, and it was just different. Everybody is different how they teach the Alexander Technique. It's impossible not for mm -hmm. it to be so. And these teachers then would clarify for me in just a different way. Um, but clearly, she had transmitted um, the process she was using to instruct people to, to her teachers. Um, so that made it clear to me also that it was a process to be learned rather than a particular teacher's hands that I was trying to encounter. Or, or even a particular activity. Right. And right. I think that, and that's something that just really struck me as when I first encountered Marge, because on, on our training course in England, which was a, a Walter Carrington style training course, um, the, the, um, the teachers on that course were all musicians, and they actually were kind of pioneers in what in England was called uh, an application approach, where where they would actually work with musicians playing musical instruments. And in the case of one of the teachers on the course, he was also a runner, and he worked a lot with runners. And I remember going out on you know in parks in London, and he would work with us running. But that was pretty, um, pretty far out at that time. This was about over 30 years ago in England. Oh, wow. There was a lot of controversy about that. And I there see. were a lot of teachers who felt, and I think the standard model of the day was you come for lessons, you have chair work, you have table work. Um, depending on the particular school you might get lunge work or you get things like monkey and hands on back of chair you get certain standard procedures and the underlying assumption was that you that would carry over into the rest of your life and of course to a certain extent it does but uh as paul said he, he, one of the directors of our course, who, who was he was a violinist as well as being a, a runner, and he said, you know, a lot of musicians when he would talk to them about their Alexander experience, would say, oh, you mean I could actually apply this to my playing? Is yeah. you know, I mean, it wasn't, it, it kind of wasn't in the air back then that. Uh, the assumption was it would carry over, but not that the person would consciously carry it over. Right. You know what and I mean? I, and I, I think that's, and I, and personally, when I saw how Marge worked, I thought, this makes a lot more sense to me. And yeah. from my own way of wanting to teach the technique anyway. Well, and I think it's, it's, there's, with all the students that are out there, there's that many learning styles and sure. needs. Right. And so having, uh, so some students will, I'll give them a lesson on standing and walking and they'll apply it to their cello playing right. or I hadn't even brought it up yet. Yes. You know, so it's really, it's, it really depends on the student. Um, and I think Marge's approach fills in a lot of gaps 
for you know for people who really you know didn't know that there was something else out there and the other the other thing that what i was what i find is that some people um think about alexander technique as something to do in stillness I mean, especially when they hear that it's something about inhibition, that you're supposed to inhibit your habits. So then there's a bit of fear of moving. And what Marge did is she got people doing things and moving and showing them that they can inhibit in movement, um, which takes, you know, takes the fear away, you know, that you didn't have to just hold still and, and, and sort of be right, you know, and, and hold on to what she'd given you or hold on to what your teacher told you or whatever it was. Um, because we're human beings and we're meant to move and we do things. And, the, and what we're trying to get back to is what children do at a very young age, which is that they go about their business without tension and, you know, they're perfectly coordinated and, and we just want to get back to that. So we don't want to just be still. You yeah, know, we, uh, I, I've mentioned this on a couple of other interviews, but, you know, with Marge, uh, the way to get uh, the most uh, hands-on help from her was to be ready to do activities when she, you know, she says, anyone want to sing, you know, you just, yeah. Really, well, especially and, singers. She loved, she loved singers. singers. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I started singing country and Western because, and it was, uh, it was, it was a way to get hands on work. And, but the, the interesting thing is that when you looked at, at her classes, if you were, if you were just wandered in, or if you were an Alexander teacher and you wandered in, but never worked with March before, you wouldn't, you would have a, a hard time figuring out who was a teacher of many years experience and who had, who also had just walked in for the first time that day but one way you maybe could tell would be that the alexander teachers often didn't couldn't imagine an activity that you know that they that other right. than possibly um uh, teaching Teaching yeah. the Alexander technique as an activity, yeah, yeah. and of course she would work with people with that, but uh, that got into quite a different situation. You were really, um, you had to expect some pretty uh, tough teaching if you. Well, were the thing do is, that. you know, I was spared that because I wasn't a teacher. Because you weren't a I teacher, start, yeah. I was a trainee, and, right. and the other thing is, I was a performer. So, so you were a natural. You fit in perfectly, right? In a way. Yeah. But I was a dancer. Right. And Marge had been a dancer when she was younger. That's right. And she took, she was really frustrated with dancers. If we were stiff or anything, she just had no patience with us. She just thought, you should be doing better. And I always felt kind of humiliated <laughs> because she just always, you know, and she would work with us real quickly and then just try to, you know, move yeah. on to the singers as much as possible. Singers or musicians or people who just had ordinary activities. like Oh, sure. Like vacuuming or whatever. Anything. Vacuuming. Yeah. It didn't really matter. And and that that your your reference to the stiffness and so on. Um, Marge was definitely not into stiffening or holding positions. And um, I, I think among people who studied with her uh, who also had some exposure to other forms of Alexander teaching in in, their, in our more derogatory moments, we would refer to uh, some other teachers as being uh, Alexandroids, you know, sort yes. of stiffly trying to be right. And of course, their their take on us was we were all slouchers, right. you know. And uh, of course, there's a bit of truth in both of those. But sure. um, 
it it does it it, it does uh point to kind of um to me a basic difference in what Marge was looking for and what maybe some more traditional teachers are looking for in that she was not she was not looking for anything approaching a right position uh she was looking for ease of movement basically yeah. And I think some teachers maybe have slipped into ideas about um, right and wrong kind of ideas about uh, posture maybe and movement that Marge would not have been particularly uh, interested in. Right. Do you do you do you agree with that from what you've seen or how, how do you? I think so. I you know I didn't know Marge well because I you know I was. Uh, she, uh, I just sort of observed her a lot more than really understanding what her point of view was as well. Mm-hmm. But I found that she really wanted, as we were talking earlier, about people being responsible for themselves and thinking. Um, and, for example, you know, one time she was working with me and she's, you know, she gave me a little, a little ease up, as we used to call, a little quickie. And I yeah. started walking and she'd say, why are you pulling down? And I was shocked. I didn't know. I said, well, I don't mean to be pulling down. But clearly she wanted us to keep thinking and keep working with ourselves. So, you know, and that was during walking. So it wasn't about holding a posture, certainly. It was about continuing to uh, inhibit that pulling down habit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't have full control over that. That was just not a way I could learn just just decide to do that I, I just needed more help than that but that so that I could tell that that's what was important to her was that you continue thinking you continue improving and you're not just being dependent on a teacher right right and I think one thing that might be useful to to briefly talk about was her um, utter dedication to the principles of the technique I mean I can't imagine any body who's who read Alexander's books uh, more often and more thoroughly than Marge, and in her case, particularly uh, use of the self. I mean, it it almost functioned as a kind of a Bible for her. And yeah. I can, I'm sure you can remember. I mean, if if you if you if you wanted for sure to get some help from her. Um, you, if you got up and started reading from Use of the Self, she would just love that, you know. And she would talk about that book and about Alexander's writings a lot. And she would, she would constantly say how important it was for Alexander students and teachers to read what he wrote and to really think about it. And not, not just to read it, but to read it and reread it and reread it over and over again. Well, you may have heard that more because you were a teacher. I didn't hear that mm. um, as much. But at the time that I went, Don Weed was giving a workshop on how to uh, read Alexander's books. And um, so she, I think she imbued that on, with her teachers, and I got that impression that way. And, and the other thing is that what struck me as like miraculous was that she went all the way to England to study with F.M. Alexander because she read his book. She read so, Constructive Conscious Control, yeah. I believe, in 1920. 
and uh, her dance teacher lent her a copy of it, and uh, Which is just she wild. just latched onto it and convinced her parents to send her and her sister over to England sometime in the 20s, mid-20s, and um, they spent uh, six months there studying with Alexander, and actually Marge had the first... Um, video a first movie camera first home movie camera in the state of nebraska and mm. took it with her and filmed it and there are shots of, of that trip that you can see on youtube if you go to her site you can you can actually see picture of alexander hamming it up in front of ashley oh, really? place <laughs> yeah it's all there and um i think it's interesting i mean marge Marge's own background, um, she studied physical education at the University of Nebraska. She was born not, she wasn't born in Lincoln, but they, her family moved to Lincoln when she was two. And in some ways, she was a very sheltered person. I mean, her family was very wealthy. They could afford to send her wherever she wanted to go. Um in, in, and but in, in other ways, she was extraordinarily um, adventuresome. I mean, yeah. for a young a young woman in the early twenties to take a ship over to England with just her sister and spend six months there. I mean, that was pretty. That was kind of gutsy, don't you think? I do. And and then and then when Alexander announced that he was going to start training teachers, she was the very first person to sign on. Uh, I remember Walter Carrington once telling me that with absolute amazement. He said, yes, the first person was Marjorie Barstow from Lincoln, Nebraska, like, you know, <laughs> the end of the world, um, signed on for his uh, his first training course. Yeah. And um, so, um, gosh, is there anything else you want to say about Marge that would be of interest to Alexander students or Alexander teachers? Well, I want to talk about her actual teaching because sure. it was just, it's hard to talk about because it was a physical experience. Right. More than anything. Um, she just was, uh, I consider her like a virtuoso. Because yeah. she'd go through a room of 100 people and it would take her no time. Like they walk in the room and she already knew what their issues were. And as soon as she touched someone, they were transformed. Yeah. And early in my training, I just didn't know what she was doing, but I could see it. The change. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, the singers, oh, you could hear their singing improve, the violinists, everybody improved, you know, and you could see that their, their, they were physically different. But as a, I wasn't a teacher yet, so I didn't quite know really what she was doing with her hands. But And the other thing is that sometimes she would touch you, and you didn't even know if she had touched you because it was so light. Mm -hmm. Or you just kind of moved because the energy of her fingers were coming towards you and you were already moving. Mm -hmm. And and it was like a it was like a miracle. And then the next time she touched you, it was like an iron claw. And all you felt was like your body was like a piece of armor that she was like wrenching apart. And it was like I would say this can't be working. I I don't feel myself even moving. And then she'd take her hands off, and I would be enormous or floating around the room like I didn't weigh anything. And it was just incredible that she had that. And she did this so quickly. I mean, you know, you can get a lesson from an Alexander teacher, and it can last 45 minutes, and you feel absolutely magnificent when you leave. But Marge would sometimes touch you, and ten, a second later, 10 seconds later, you were totally transformed. Yeah. And I just, I was like amazed over and over. And she, 
as she got older, she got more bent over. She looked mm-hmm. kind of crooked. She had all that osteoporosis. Right. And she kind of talked with this really gravelly voice. She was mm-hmm. really getting older and older. And her hands got stronger. Got, yes, they did. <laughs> like, how is this possible? I mean, you know, you want to model for your students your movement and everything. And she could just do – it was astounding. And her, so I was always so impressed. And one time – here's another example – we were having a group lesson, maybe not 100 of us this time, maybe there were 30. And we were in a room, and we were all standing around in a circle, and we'd been doing some work. And somebody said, Mar- and somebody said Marge, can you help me um, on the floor with something? So that person was on the floor, and Marge bent over to help the person, and she helped them get off the floor. And somebody said to her, Marge, how did you do that? I mean, she was so crippled looking. And she said, Okay, well, why don't you all do it? So she, we stood around a circle, and she said, well, now just bend over and do a monkey. Now just do it lower, and then just stand up again. <laughs> and she just, you know, and of course we didn't do it as well as she did. And But it was clear that no matter how um, how ex- uh, advanced her osteoporosis was, she, said she was directing with a great deal of will and clarity um, and direct, and clear direction and it was just amazing to witness. Yeah, um, I think, and to put all this in a little bit of context, I, I, I met her in the uh, originally in the late seventies. She was eighty years old when I met her, and uh, was she hadn't she wasn't all that bent over at that point. That came maybe seven or eight years later, and I assume she was around that age when when you met her, right? She was upright. She was bolt upright. Uh, absolutely. She was, she was so youthful looking when I met her, and she walked very fast. You and saw was, her from behind on the street, you think 35-year-old woman. I maybe. know. It was unbelievable. She yeah. was an athlete. She was. You know, and, you know, she rode horses. You know, she was, mm-hmm. like, very strong. No, that that escalation into osteoporosis was rather rapid. Yes. Yeah, she, yeah. she just... Towards the, I mean, when she got into her late 80s and early 90s, there was, uh, I've seen X-rays of her of her neck that one of her students took, and I mean, there was very little bone mass there. It was uh, right. it was quite quite. Uh, spe- but she, um, what I was going to say is, you know, when she trained with Alexander in the 30s, she was in her 30s herself, and she was someone who. I think probably starting with reading Constructive Conscious Control in 1920 or 21, from that point on, my sense is that Alexander and his ideas were a part of her life every day to some extent or another. Now, she did have other, she helped run a family business at one point. She had other things going on in her life but she really devoted herself to uh to experimenting using his ideas on herself on her students for by the time i met her which was late 70s i guess it would be close to 50 years uh or more and i think it's kind of a testimony to what can happen if you really pursue the basic principles of the technique um, for a long time, you do get, or at least she got, really, yeah. really good at it. Yeah. And in, and, in, and in her case, 
her orientation was more towards working with groups and younger people and so on. But even if she had been a traditional teacher, I'm guessing people would have been blown away by her her teaching, you know, just one-on-one kind of traditional private lessons. Absolutely. Her skill was clearly there. It was there. And the other thing I want to say is that um, people who are masters of something put in an incredible amount of time to what they do. And that's something that was kind of lost in today's culture. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and um, my Tai Chi teacher's teacher, Ching Men Ching, uh, was quite a master of Tai Chi. And somebody asked him, you know, well, how do you get good at this? He said, well, I practice Tai Chi 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It says he lived Tai Chi. And that is what Marge did. She did, yeah. I used to watch her just... If she, if you ate lunch with her, every moment was accounted for in her attention. Mm-hmm. You know, which made mm-hmm. it was very difficult to eat with her because then I felt humi- humiliated with how I was eating. But she was very, very self-aware at every moment. And I once watched her go into a nap. She sat down in a chair and she slid down until she was in this sort of not a slump, but a sort of a whole body slump where you're just sort of lying on a. You know, you're not sitting up on your sit bones, but yeah. and it was the most lengthened, beautiful posture, and she just slid down into that posture and went to sleep. Yeah, yeah. And and so she carried the thinking even into her sleeping, and I just thought, okay, this is this is the ultimate goal, you know, to really you know transform yourself at any chance you get, and you will develop that kind of skill. I I yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I she. She really did devote herself. She she saw something in Alexander's writing, and then, of course, then she met him, that to her just seemed much more important than almost anything else in her life. She, you know, she closed her dance studio down. She used to say things like, I feel so sorry for the people who learned dance from me before I studied the Alexander Technique, you know. <laughs> and she just really put her whole self into 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 this process. And even though even though a lot of the time, particularly before the early seventies, she was working in much more mundane activities, as I say, helping run a family business, they owned grain elevators and ranches and that kind of stuff. And and she had she had uh, some other interests, but you know, in the background was always the principles of that Alexander had discovered. And she she herself would um she tended not to use the phrase Alexander technique all that much. I remember for the summer workshops the little flyers would say something like, you know, come out to Nebraska to to explore the discoveries of 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 Mr. Alexander or something right. like that. Right, you know? right, right. And then she would joke uh, with people. She'd say, well, now when you go home and people ask you, uh, you know, what did what did you learn in Nebraska? Um she could. You say, she'd say, "Well, you could just tell them I, I learned a little bit of nothing out there," 
And, yeah, or she'd and, say the conser- conservation of energy. Conservation of energy. <laughs> yeah, she loved that expression. <laughs> yeah. Conservation of energy as applied to, to human beings. And another phrase she used, which I, um, I've never heard anyone in the Alexander world use other than her, is she used to talk about the science of human movement. And she, she, she believed that someday there would be a, a real science of human movement based at least in part on uh, Alexander's discoveries, that, that, that people would really understand human movement in ways that Alexander did, but they would be able to put it into more uh, scientific language. And it's, it's interesting that current research in, uh, in neuroscience fits in beautifully with Alexander's ideas. I think Marge would love to have heard about some of the recent discoveries in in neuroscience. And even the word inhibition seems to have snuck into neuroscience as being, you know, the really important aspect of thinking and moving. So... Our gift to Marge. <laughs> Our gift to Marge. Any, anything else you want to say before we, we come guess, to an end? Sure. I Just one more thing is that I think Marge could have just stayed on her ranch and uh, practiced these principles for herself. But something in her, I don't know her history of this particularly, but she wanted to share this work. Mm-hmm. And clearly when people came out to study with her, she was just, there was such a huge amount of energy that she would put into her teaching and, mm-hmm. you know, in her 90s to be able to teach that many hours a day. She wanted to share the work. She wanted to help people. And she wasn't a, a, like a marvelous verbal communicator. Like if people asked her questions, she would just give you these simple answers and it just wouldn't quite fit the bill. But she she answered you with her work, her physical work mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and how she conducted her classes and there was something very deeply caring about that, that yes, she wanted to yes. give it to people. And she wanted them to do better than they were doing with it. Um, and and the last time I worked with her, I was in a workshop in Washington, D.C. And I felt she looked over at me. I was sitting there with Claudia Vess. And she said, oh, you two just look so beautiful sitting there. And I thought to myself, wow, here was somebody who used to seem like she looked with such a critical eye. Um, and I always felt so humiliated <laughs> with how I was doing, you know, um, that there was just something genuinely caring and appreciative in her and her teaching and her wanting to share the work. And um, that was a beautiful realization for me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and- you know, one thing about Marge uh, that, I mean, not everyone, not everyone who teaches the Alexander, in fact, most people who teach the Alexander Technique, today uh, don't have a certain luxury that Marge had, which was that her her family was extremely wealthy. I mean, right. her, her father had made, uh, I'm sure, tens of millions of dollars or more in banking and all sorts of activities in Lincoln. And so for her, um, there was no financial pressure. And, you know, she could go to London for three years uh, to study with Alexander, that was not going to be a, a financial issue. And for many, many years after she came back, she she did study, she she acted as Alexander's brother's assistant in, in Boston and New York for a number of years. But she, when World War II broke out, she moved back to Lincoln. And um, 
for many years, she really had very few students. Right. I mean, Lincoln was not, uh, I mean, there, were, there weren't that many Alexander teachers in the world and not very many in America. And certainly, I think she once said that she's like, she was like 1,500 miles from the nearest uh, Alexander teacher for many years. So, but she, when someone would show up, she would work with them. Um, and her sort of um, fame, if you like, in the Alexander world really began uh, partly by accident. She happened to teach at a couple of universities. Uh, she wasn't planning on doing group work, but they said, would you like to work with a group? And she, you know, in typical March fashion, she said to herself, well, uh, I've never done that before, but I'll give it a shot. You know, that was her basic approach to life in general. And she didn't really become well known among most Alexander teachers until the early 70s when she was in her 70s. Wow. So, you know, know yeah, yeah, she was, there were a few people who knew about her earlier, but again, again, maybe in her 60s, but you know, the 40s and 50s, I don't think, uh, my guess is hardly anyone uh, outside of a few people here in Lincoln knew anything about her. So it's it's an interesting uh, career traje- trajectory, which I don't think most people today can take. No. But um, uh, the, I think to some extent that accounts for her ability to stay focused on the principle. She never had a hustle for students because there was no financial need to to do that. Right. So anything else you want to say before we we come to an end? Um, Just that it's it's so lovely to reminisce about Marge. You know, Mm -hmm. it's so great to remember her and um, her lessons. Some of them are still with me. And when you sent out the uh, link to the DVDs, it was so great to see her teaching again and and uh, I think we all, you know, we all love studying with her. And uh, it's just a great gift that you've given us to be able to think, reminisce about her and, and share her with other people who didn't perhaps have the opportunity to work right. with her. Right. And, 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 and in fact, uh, just to put a little plug into a website that I created for her, MarjorieBarstow.com. And Marjorie is spelled M-A-R-J-O-R-I-E. Um that you could, there are links. All all of her videos are also are available on YouTube, and you can you can see her teaching in the early '80s. You can see her teaching in the mid '80s, and you can see her teaching around 1990. And of course, you'll see the osteoporosis kicking in by the end of that. But a lot of people have emailed and called me and said that just watching her teach, watching those videos was pretty enlightening and helped them with their Alexander studies. So they're all there. They're available on YouTube. And um, uh, check them out if you if, if what we've been talking about interests you. So um, I guess this will be a time to, to bring the, the conversation to an end. Um, my guest uh, has been Jan O'Cohen, who's an Alexander teacher in Philadelphia. We'll put a link to her website by the interview. 
And we've been talking today about the late Marjorie Barstow. She lived, she was born in 1899 in Ord, Nebraska, a small town uh, west of, uh, of Lincoln, and died in 1985. She was almost 86 years old when she died. And she was, she was teaching until uh, roughly a year or so up, uh, before she died. Chano, thanks so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you. I love being able to contribute.